meeting for June 7th to order. A note to residents, all citizens are welcome to att attend public board and committee meetings in person. The meetings are also be live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast 11 and Verizon Channel 29. Recordings of meetings are available on Franklin TV's Franklin Town Hall TV YouTube channel. I think that's, they added that in. We Additionally, did. <laughs> we did. Thank you. We did. Looks like excellent. Um, Additionally, in an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or Zoom. The call-in number is 1-929-205-6099. The meeting ID number is 833-4805-8398. And then you must press the pound number. So welcome everyone. Um, let's just jump right into the agenda. Uh, first thing on the agenda is the new style property update. Do we go to you, Jamie, or do we bring Brian up? Brian is definitely coming up. <laughs> okay. I just want to do a quick lead in. Yeah. Um, this is now not embargoed information, so this is public. Um, Brian's going to go through the grant. I just want everybody on the EDC to remember that there is $100,000 from ARPA funds um, that is going towards the same project. So ultimately, Brian um, was successful in getting a half a million dollar grant, so that ARPA funds helped our application. Okay. And so now, Brian, if I'm not mistaken, um, we're, we now have 600000 to spend. And Brian, you're going to tell us what it's going to be spent on, and before we all get a chance, Brian, thank you and oh. congratulations after writing grants for 10 to 15 years oh. and having a hard time getting it done. Um, the people watching at home or on Zoom, I hope, come away with the idea that our staff never give up, and certainly there may be more money at the federal level available for Brownfields, but... Um, Brian, congratulations and thank you for all of your hard work for a really, really long set of years to get this money. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We're like, we'll snap our fingers like Kobe. Kobe. Um, that's really exciting. Thank yeah, you for not giving yeah. up. I mean, well, I think we all do that, right? We can't give up. Yeah, that's true. I just want to thank Amy and also the consultant working with us. Actually, it was very valuable in getting it getting this done, uh, gotten right. And uh, so yes, we have a half million dollars. Um, we have beginning, uh, the beginning of next fiscal year on July 1st. Okay. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It's a federal fiscal year, so um, it's uh, October 1st. Uh, we have about three or four years, actually, to get the project done, a half million dollars. So it's not like it's going to get done immediately. Okay, that's uh, good. The work being done now is we're utilizing the $100,000 right now on licensed site professionals, and uh, we're going to need a structural engineer because our, our building's attached to the adjacent building uh, mm -hmm. on site. There's all kinds of stuff. So they, uh, the consultants that we're working with now are going to be working on this probably for until that 100000 is gone, and I'll be right into the a portion of the, the half-million-dollar grant. For the remainder uh, of the project, so um, this is the first time it, that we've been able to just do. Hey, I see that we can actually just keep this project going because the, the, the money has been. We spent a lot of money. The federal government has, and the state spent money on us. But this is the first time we 
probably will finish the project because we have enough money to actually get it cleaned up and, and done. Wow, that's so, amazing. Um, yeah, I, I said before I retire, so if, if it's a three, four year, <laughs> if it's a three, four year project, then that'll be about right. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's great. We're going to need um, uh, a lot of, um, oh, a little bit from the town staff here and there, but most of it is going to be uh, consultants working for us, who will be working with us to do procurement documents to get contractors in different kinds of. Uh, we'll need. We'll need demolition contractors. We'll need people to put wells in. We'll need the people that do the uh, soil sampling and all. Of it. So it's going to be a lot of different companies involved but in the end uh, uh -huh. on that project. And the hope is that um, it'll be worth more than five dollars when it's done. Uh, right now, it's not worth anything in the condition that it's in. Right. But um, at least it'll be clean enough to do something with uh, at that point. Whether it's a parking lot or a a road to somewhere else or, or something I don't know but we'll have we have uh, we're, we're, we're on our way so it's good we have I'm already we're already doing the contracting with the uh, contract documents with the federal government right now so we're mm -hmm. this is going to be something that uh, you know be on my thing to, to do list every week going forward until it's done so yeah we're doing good so that's uh, that's really amazing I think we um Ever since I've been on the council, it's one of those things nobody ever wants to talk about new style on the new style property. Ever because no, I don't want to talk about it. But um, thank you so much for for just continuing to make sure that we have a, a solution to this because we know we can't give up. And um, yeah. I think that's great. The three or four years and it's going to be clean. No, that's that's good. That's clean really as, clean as clean as it can. Right. But that's really good. That's really good. Does anybody have any questions for Brian? No? Okay. Any snap fingers or claps or things or no, anything like that? <laughs> Thank you, Amy, too. That's wonderful. Uh, okay, so let's move on to, um, that's really exciting. I'm like, can that be the end of the, the night for, uh, for me? No, we've got more good <laughs> Can stuff. I go home now? we got more goals to accomplish. All right. Five, <laughs> Just joking. Okay. Um, <laughs> So let's go to agenda item number two, uh, GR5 zoning amendment proposal. We have a staff memo and draft zoning amendment here in front of us. Jamie, do you want to say anything first, or do we? Just through you, Madam Chair, I just think, um, yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but Brian's going to go through the, 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 uh, the proposal. Um, it's modest, but I think we've talked about this before, and it, it sounded like the EDC was pretty supportive of these changes. Um, and so um, Brian's going to go through the, the bylaw thing, Brian? Yeah, I, I did write a, kind of like looking at it now, it was a little lengthy on the, uh, the memo, <laughs> but um, it's really this, there's two changes on this, uh, mm -hmm. the, the first of the bylaws, it's, it's bylaw amendment um, 23898. And that makes, uh, <clears throat> A couple of changes, a couple of amendments in attachment nine, which is a schedule of lot area frontage yard and height requirements, which we know that this committee knows pretty well by now. Yeah, I carry um, it with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first uh, change, um, uh, which relates directly to the recent zoning amendments that we've had, mm -hmm. we changed the um, 
density of housing and, and things of that nature. And when you put together what can go on a lot now for, say, a multifamily housing, it doesn't, the, the uh, residential units either have to be small or you have to have less parking than is required by the bylaw or a combination of both. Mm -hmm. So um, we're looking at the impervious coverage that is currently um, allowed for structures only. Right now, we allow 30% of a lot. Um, and this is the, uh, de the densest of the uh, residential zones that we have. So the intent of is it's very similar, of course, to the res well, it's the same as residential four, and it's not that far off from three. Mm -hmm. Um, so the thought would give it a little bit more flexibility by giving, saying, yeah, you can have, you know, 35% say on housing or the actual building itself. And, and in addition, and one of the thing that comes in with uh, a lot of developers, the state, um, they want a, more space for parking. So um, it, it's not unreasonable on the general residential five to up to um, an additional 10% for the, for the parking than currently is allowed now. So the whole impervious surface on a lot cannot be more than 45% where it's 35% now. That is what is being proposed right now. Um, the other change, which is um, something that relates also to some of the uh, bylaw amendments that we had recently, um, is that we created a definition, or we put in the chart uh, a three-family uh, mm -hmm. We've divided multifamily into two. So three family and then a four and above. Um, and we also um, were thinking that the, um, well, I'm going to read it here. Residential uses must observe requirements of general residential five district for residential use buildings only in the C1 zoning district. Mm -hmm because we don't want, if you have a residential three area and you have a really dense development going up next to it, you want to be able to set back a little bit more, things of that nature. Um, but if your multifamily development is only going to be a three family, then maybe it doesn't have to be set back all that much more than a two family. Right. <laughs> right? Right. So that, therefore, what it would be is we would exempt that requirement for the three families in the, in that zoning district. Okay. So those are the two simple changes. Um, whether the either one of these changes make a big difference or not, I, I don't know, but I think it'll make at least some difference on uh, some of the potential development that could happen. Where, especially on impervious, it's, it's tough to get. Um, you know, where, where say you can have up up to uh, one unit per twenty two fifty or whatever the case square feet. Um, and if you want 1,000 square foot housing units on in, the, in a specific building, it really is a, it ends up being a big building. Um, it's forcing people to, to say, oh, I, I got to go four floors, all these things. Mm -hmm. um, but it also it forces people to say, I can only give you half as many parking spaces that as the planning board actually wants um, because they don't have enough impervious coverage for parking. So I think both of those. Um, Fixes, if you will, I consider them fixes, uh, would would be um, uh, beneficial to the the people in uh, our building houses and other other.
facilities for that matter, and this, this applied to other things also. And anything that goes into a general residential five, uh, housing is the thing, but right. it is actually, uh, if, if somebody gets a special permit for another use or something, they would have a little bit more room for impervious coverage also, not just residential. So, if you have any questions, I, I can. Um, I Thank you, Brian, for, um, I mean, we've been, discussing this um, impervious coverage issue for a while now. Um, I think um, in the Franklin for All project, with, for the recommendations, some of the things that came back were, were about, um, you know, they did mention that this was really too restrictive, that we should open it up a little bit, you know, make, make the ma maximum amount higher. Um, I believe that the recommendation was 50% maximum I, I'm just wondering um, what the difference would be and why you pick 45 over 50. Okay. So the 50% was for a, um, uh, was a, probably a 40R development if they went with that, I think is what the, uh, the issue was. And that was um, the first recommendation, development of 40R bylaws. This was. This is not. Does not relate to that specific bylaw. First of all, we haven't developed it. But second of all, this is for all 40R, all, all, or you know, for throughout the whole area. So that's the only difference. Whether you're 45 or 50 percent, it doesn't really matter a huge amount. Um, but when you get, you know, when you get over 50 and everything, you you end up getting um, a less. Uh, Less green, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, neighborhood, and that's one. This is a residential neighborhood, um, so um, the more impervious coverage you put in there, the more paving you have, the more building you have, the denser the development, um, which has its benefits. But at the same time, um, I, those are the reasons there are limitations <laughs> in regulation to begin with. You're, you're controlling the the uh, impervious is a very important thing for once. <coughs> But other dimensions are just important. But this one, I think, um, the reason we, I chose this is that issue is something that I think will make a difference. Um, whether you go with 50% or not, I, I don't think it matters. But um, I, I don't recommend going uh, higher. higher than that. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyone else have questions for Brian? Colby? Yeah, you touched you touch upon my main question. Um, it, I was wondering, I'm assuming you didn't have this, and I meant to ask you. Um, sort of in advance, but it strikes me as likely that most of, <coughs> maybe, maybe most, at least a high percentage of uh, the homes that are currently in GR5 as being greater than even 45% uh, coverage. Uh, yeah, you don't happen to have no, actually, we started uh, running an assessment about two years ago, um, or before MAPC even got involved. But um, a lot of the lots are small. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have a small lot and a big house, and it's 50 or 100 years old before any of this became relevant, a lot of them are non-conforming, without a doubt. But a lot of the lots that are not non-conforming are big enough to support a multifamily or small multifamily development or whatever, and if you cover the whole lot with impervious coverage, you're changing the, so that section of your bigger neighborhood. So, um, 
it's the new development uh, that is is the kicker. I mean, I, if somebody wanted to put it had right now, at, at, if they were at um, at 51, or said he wanted to do something that's 51 percent, and you have like 50 percent maximum impervious. I mean, there are ways to get that one percent down a little bit to develop the site. Or they can go for a variance and, and actually ask, hey, I, I, this is what I want to do. Regulations have stopped me from doing that. And, and they could go for a variance. So I, I think there's, there's plenty of ways around things. Um, it, it gives, um, if you want a variance, it gives the CBA the authority to say yes or no. It's a good idea or bad idea, and I don't think you should do it or you should do it. Um, and then it goes to the planning board and they go through the, their process that way. So. It just it strikes me as strange that I think General Residential Five. We just did a walking tour um, and, and had a whole bunch of people walking through it, mostly through GR Five. And most of the remarks, and I think that this would be true of most people in Franklin, is that it's one of the prettiest and, and uh, one of our best residential uh, neighborhoods. They're a little uh, tighter together, but super walkable, um, and you know, and still plenty of room for. Um, street trees and, and um, good green coverage. So it seems, uh, I get that they're, you know, we're calling it pre-existing non-conforming, but it seems weird that we would make it illegal to rebuild something that we enjoy, uh, or, or even make it difficult, you know, make them have to uh, need further evidence for, for why uh, they're able to um, go greater. Anyway, I say this all, I started with uh, you know, when I first started this process, I put together a table, and as people kept talking, I sort of adjusted uh, the table, and I got to what I thought uh, GR5, based on what's currently there and what we seem to like, while still uh, absolutely not um, having it be all buildings, still retaining that green, um, was to be 50% uh, coverage of a building and 60% um, with parking. Uh, I think I still feel that way. Just looking at the properties that are currently there, I want to say, uh, Councilor Sheridan, I want to say your property is above uh, 50 and 60 percent. Yeah. It's a beautiful home and a, and a nice uh, walkable uh, space. So it just seems weird to be more restrictive than the type of development that we mostly agree uh, is pretty strong. So I, I would motion to amend. Uh, uh, that we change 35 for structures to 50 and structures plus paving to 60. Second. Um, could, we, could we discuss before you vote on it? I just, yeah, I just wanted yeah, to make yeah. sure that well, okay. I mean, we nice. just agree with the amendment and then discuss it? Well, for a second to he, discuss. Can, he can make a motion to amend, but we can always open that up to discussion right now. All right, let's open it up to discussion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, <clears throat> could I uh, make a comment through the chair? On Absolutely. That? Um, if you had a three acre parcel and you can do up to 50% impervious, you've just created a humongous building in the middle of a residential neighborhood. And uh, I understand that may never happen, but what you may end up with is if somebody combined a few parcels together, they would end up with what you have at the end of, um, you know, right where the, the 
the dean have you know those, those apartments in the na in the middle of some of the nicer neighborhoods you're talking about. So if you, I'm not saying it will happen. I'm saying by the regulating in a certain way that you're opening up for that potential. So therefore, it is not my job to say what you can and cannot do. It's my job to say the reasons that we do what we're doing in the zoning is to not limit a person to the point where they can't do anything with their property. But if they're going to do something that's what half the neighborhood's going to be up against, and, and at least half the neighborhood would want to not see uh, a three-story uh, structure that is uh, you know, 50,000 square foot footprint on, a, on the ground. I mean, people are not going to see that. They're not going to want to see that. They're going to see one in their residential neighborhood, a residential structure. Um, and that's the reasoning for limiting this. Now, if that were in the downtown commercial zone, or even in the C1 zone, we've zoned for that kind of density, more density than that, actually. Mm -hmm. And therefore, People living there already know that, hey, my next door neighbor could sell someday and put in a, you know, a substantial structure there. They know that already. General Residential 5 neighborhood is, as you're saying, is one of the nicer neighborhoods. It's a beautiful place. And one of the reasons it's still a beautiful place is we have limited the density up until this point. And we also created, previously, they created multifamily housing special permit only before we got to this point, now that we changed that, where you can have up to one per thousand square foot. Uh, 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 yeah. So 43 on one acre of land, right? 43 units. And that kind of density, but it was special permit. That's why we ended up changing the, the density issue and allowing up to a certain scale by right and then special permit after right, right. Yeah. right? Yeah. so those they're all tied together and if we change this to be allowing impervious um, it's almost like you, you if you want to allow a a denser housing than one per 2250 you know, the way it is now uh, if you want to allow something bigger than that you need a special permit if you want increased impervious beyond what we allow now, it's the same idea. I mean, if we allow everybody to do it, then it's going to be a situation where your ch neighborhood changes fairly quickly. And I, and that's the reason we were uh, suggesting the limitation. Okay. If you go up to 50%, it's not a whole lot different to 45, but then you get it to 60 and the people want to uh, go for a variance so they can put 75 in there. And before right. you know it, you end up with a really, really dense area. Okay. All right. Um, Jamie, you want to add Just really quickly to Brian's point, he, he hit most of it. You know, I think it's, um, you know, I think this is where the community character piece comes in. And it's not as if any house that, you know, I, I agree with Councilor Frangillo. Yes, like Councilor Sheridan's property or any other of those are desirable homes. They obviously fit within the character. There's not, we're not saying that that's not what some people want. Um, my concern is when I hear impervious surface, I think of stormwater, I think of recharge, I think of other issues. And I think Brian kind of stole my, my point right at the end. Well, now we're gonna to go to variance for 100. And once you get a variance for 75, 80, 85, well now you're really, now you're urbanizing a district that 
you know, doesn't completely have that character. If it was downtown commercial or maybe some other side streets and it was purely that, um, you know, maybe it would be different, right? Mm -hmm. But you're talking about some pretty, some pretty large swaths of zoning areas well outside the downtown that I don't, I think it would be maybe, maybe the master plan committee can consider a few of these things of maybe separating some of the larger parts of, mm -hmm. of GR5 so that maybe yeah. some of these issues don't get conflated, right? Because if you're talking about all the way down Pond Street and some rural roads, you know, that could change. I think that's what Brian's pointing out is that that could really change the character of a, of a neighborhood. Kobe, yeah. you still have the floor. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm all set. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it, it struck me as sort of the two main arguments against going that high were that uh, you might get more units per acre, but that's a separate piece that we've already agreed upon and that you might ask for a variance for more but a variance for more doesn't negate allowing you know a certain amount so uh, both of those seem like outside the question of do we enjoy the types of buildings that are there and want them uh, want more of them to be allowed we can we can we can uh, handle the density and uh, variances in separate spaces. That's where they are handled. Yeah, sorry, thank you. Okay, Councilor Sharpton. Uh, sure, for you. So, uh, what happens in Dean Commerce, in Dean Street, you thinking of? I'm just trying to think of it. I'll say it's 117, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand um, the worry, and our goal here is not to make um, the GR5 area, those those okay. beautiful downtown area, you know, downtown areas that everybody loves. We don't want it to become something that people don't like, right? And so, I understand what you're saying. I just um, and it, it's just good to hear you say those kind of things because we we're just we're asking questions because we need to hear that feedback. I think right, Councilor Frangelo. Sure. And um, I. I agree that you know when we talk about stormwater and but we have now we have these really cool things that collect all the water for people and so maybe we don't have to worry too much about having too much impervious coverage. I personally don't like impervious. I don't like like parking lots. I think people should just make a cool house and then maybe a small parking lot. I, I don't you know, um, but. It's important for us to understand why you pick these numbers, and I thank you for under explaining it well. And I and I get it. I understand. Do you have anything else? No, I, I'm fine with, with Brian's suggestion. Okay. I'd be happy. Uh, in a second, I'd be happy to make it friendly to do 50-55 or. Uh, I was I was thinking forty fifty, but. Even if you did 45, 45, 45, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55, feel like I, I'm now I'm worried about going over 50. Um, and I would say I would say that maybe it would be 40-50 would be I was thinking 40. would be 
what I would think would be a, a reasonable thing. Yep, I guess you're 45, 55. So I'll do a friendly to 45, 55, <laughs> and we'll let, we'll let us all vote on that. So, well, that's okay, discussion. Yeah. All right, so okay, so wait a minute, let me write it down 45 to 55. Is that what you Yeah. And then Patrick seconded. Yep. All right, any discussions? On this? No. No? No. Anything else? Okay. Um, let, let us vote on that then. Um, all in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. Okay. Three to one. And um, I, I like what, what um, Brian has added to the multifamily residential with three housing units to protect that is, is really a good Are idea. Are we discussing that piece now? Yeah, do you want to? That, that's all part of the same. <laughs> it's yeah. part of the same, but it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, right? we do. Okay. So I was just thinking through, I was trying to understand. So this is saying that within C1, we're going to treat residential only as if they're in GR5. We're going to treat single-family homes or duplexes as if they're in GR5. No, well, as of this minute, uh, with your zoning, all right, if you wanted to put in a multifamily housing development of any type in C1, mm -hmm. if it's adjacent to a residential district, it has to be we have it does take the residential um, five uh, dimensions okay. all right Thanks. so that's a limitate it's a limitates it it limitates it limits um what you can do on it and, and it's been um, on several properties and since i've been here that that has taken place it's a little more challenging to position the buildings and things like that but it does protect the, the adjacent residential properties uh, from somebody putting a big building up and looking, at, you know, on their third floor, they're looking right down at the person's pool. I mean, it, it happens. So, um, but if somebody wanted to put a three-family multifamily, now that we have that option, mm -hmm. and uh, we would eliminate those additional the, the regulations, so it would, they would go with the C1 regulations yeah. for the three-family. It would still be for the four family and above. It would still, nothing would change for it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I like that. No. Anyone else have a comment? No. All right. Do we do we want to vote that too? Yeah. Do we have to vote that one? I think that's also all. So you just want to vote that one Okay. But it's as amended. As amended. Yeah. As amended. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Brian, so much um, for all your work on this. <coughs> oh. Yeah, the next, the final vote would be a... Yeah, um, let's, let's have a vote to send this as amended to the full council. Motion to move. It's only valid amendment 23-898 to full council as amended. Is there a second? Second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Okay. Unanimous move to full council. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.
All right, let us go over the cannabis overlay district. <laughs> Housekeeping. The, or does anybody in the audience have any questions for Brian? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's move on to number three. I'm sure Brian's going to take this one. Or Jamie, you want to take it first? I think this seems. So three man chair, I just want to emphasize one thing really quickly. Ultimately, this is really a house cleaning item of, 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 of taking out some parcels and Brian's putting, laying them out on the map about which parcels should be taken out with an X. So for example, on attachment two, map A, we've taken out the parcels around the YMCA, just to illustrate it. Yep. And uh, the staff uh, and the tech review team did review with the town attorney and everybody, um, all of Brian, uh, the staff recommendations. We are all comfortable with these. They are all updated. Um, and these represent essentially a few additional parcels that have been added that when looking at the changes from um, some businesses, like can we, you know, when some businesses moved mm -hmm. that had prohibitions before, so we've added in the ones that are most commercially viable. Okay. Um, so the, the proposal before you to move on to the council represent, we don't need to do any language bylaw changes. It's literally just a house cleaning of the map. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions on any of the other parcels, the staff and I, we've all gone through them. We can probably answer them. Um, some of them that are not on here, either about residential zoning districts, residences, other properties within you know several hundred feet where we can't have them near a church or a school, right. or on Grove Street. So that's really the quickest summary and the easiest summary. At the bottom of the memo, yeah. there was, which is not a part of these proposals, just to be clear to everybody in the public, folks watching at home. Um, from an economic development standpoint, down the road, you know, or maybe the master plan committee, um, or others may want to look at if there are other issues. One of the topics that came up just to illustrate was like across the street. We were here looking at a vacant storefront, right? And thinking like, well, is is you know, are there more opportunities, right? Um, and so uh, the staff weren't necessarily comfortable or in unison saying, oh, definitely here. Thank you, Council Frangillo, also for empowering us to come up with ideas. But I think a conversation point may be down the road. You know, um, we all believe the industry has kind of hit its, hit its plateau. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're into another phase of the market dynamics, which are some are going to go out of business, some are going to get in trouble, <laughs> yeah. and, and the demand may rise in other areas. Medical, for example, clearly has a huge growth factor in it, but with the federal prohibition, can't do that. So doctors and physicians, and so we're never going to get there soon. So some other things to kind of think about, um, but um, if the council ever wanted to have a discussion on that, um, that's another discussion aside from the house cleaning item, okay. and certainly you feel free to talk about it tonight. Or All right, thank you, Jamie. And the fact that um, the, the price of cannabis has gone down. Got it. <laughs> it's at the lowest ever right now in, um, in Massachusetts. Profit so their profits probably, uh, the profits when I've been smoked, he said, he's like, kind of funny. <laughs> so it's, it could be, we might lose, we might actually see the, the loss of one of our um, facilities, or not a facility, but our um, retail store. Retail store. Yeah. Right? Because um, the cost is way down. Yeah. So. yeah. 
But really quickly on that, to that point though, one of the things that's been a huge success in Franklin is we, because the bylaw we got through early and mm -hmm. the 3% cannabis excise tax was like the first in the state, yeah. we actually ended up attracting you know, two really, really great retail operations in Netta and Botera. And we also had Pharmacant, which was also very, very good uh, in other parts of the state, but they kind of went, wait, there's too much here, we gotta go somewhere else. Right, right. And you know, as we've talked offline, been a minor success story of business development for new growth, which we just did a podcast and maybe we should have <laughs> talked about it on Monday. Yeah. But Netta's, you know, parent companies have bought several major buildings, done renovations to them, um, and are staffing their employees here. A lot of those employees live in Franklin. They've bought houses in Franklin. Um, they've yep. renovated houses in Franklin, right? Like all of that is new growth. Yep. And that's good tax base. So we're very lucky and very proactive and we got a couple of really, really great businesses to come here. Um, and so we, you know, I think there's a success story. Maybe that's where it's plateaued. I don't know, but uh, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. So we go to Brian. I think I summarized it, but Brian okay. didn't you did. Add. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> but couldn't have done it better yourself, Brian? Uh, not even close. <laughs> Does someone in the audience have a question for I do. Should I go up? Yeah. Um, name and address, please. Uh, Pat Ridgeway, 15 Windy Brook Road, and I also own a building on Upper Union Street. Am I asking him? It depends on what it is. So, but, you can, but you just just ask the question, and we'll decide who gets the so answer. So I'm concerned about Upper Union Street because I run a business up there. It's a retail okay. business, an auto repair shop, um, right next door. So it's the map C, and then okay. you can see the three added properties on Upper Union Street. One of them is right next door to my business and building. Um, and the, the first one is a hotel. So uh, a little confused as to why we would have a marijuana district overlay on a hotel. But, and I understand it doesn't mean it's gonna happen just because you overlay there, but that concerns me. Um, the next property is is probably owned by 15 to 20 people. It's a condominium, industrial condominium project. They've got parking restrictions. They've got uh, deed restrictions. Um, another one that confuses me. And then probably the most viable one is right next door to me, um, which I, I don't I don't want a marijuana grow or sale facility right next door to my auto repair shop. Um, I guess that's just my opinion and my choice, but that one's probably the most viable, but the other two confuse me, and I don't know if you can answer why they're there, why they're on this map. I understand this is just a preliminary, but does anyone know why we would put one on a hotel? Through, yeah. through, through a chair. Brian will answer that I, for you. I can answer, and that is basically, if you read the zoning bylaw, section on, on marijuana um, uses, okay? It describes where you can have these type facilities, what type they are and where they could go. So it is, I don't have it, I could open it up and explain to you, but it's all industrial zone property to the west or south, 495, that is not within a certain distance of certain things, churches, schools, daycare, things of that nature, okay? And when you plot it out on the map, when you do that, when you're looking at each individual parcel, okay, is this parcel within 500 feet or 300 feet? 
that's what you're looking at. So okay. the daycare and the union, that's why these two spots are Right, exactly. Exactly. We don't we at least two hundred feet away from it. So that's what comes out when we do an assessment with what you have on the map here. If there are really good reasons that I don't know of that, that shouldn't be on the map, then the the uh, uh, you know the council can, can have them taken off. The planning board can make suggestions or property owners obviously can give input to this. Um, I know that right now you're not going to have uh, a, um, a, a, re a retail marijuana facility in that hotel. <laughs> but we don't know 15 years from now what's going to happen on that specific property. So for zoning purposes, these are uses that are allowed by special permit in certain areas. Um, so if somebody redevelops their site, the one next to the Hofer Hotel, for instance, if they, I don't know, Hotel, I hope they don't never do, but they get burned down, too. I mean, you, you don't really know what the future brings on any specific parcel. So when we're looking at zoning, we're looking at the description of the bylaw, essentially. Okay, so... I'm gonna, oh, I was going to let Jamie add to that. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. Chair, thank you very much. So just for, for the property owner's edification, so this doesn't necessarily mean a retail store. Yeah, I get uh, it. It's also like seltzer manufacturers, like other manufacturing of goods, products, cook, whatever else is out there in the spectrum of products. Um, it doesn't even necessarily mean a growth facility. Um, but um, obviously, you know, Franklin is on the leading edge of this. There's been a lot of properties, I'm sure you know the Dario property, you know, didn't, you know, was just a, a supply store, now it's a full operation place. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean as the industry is growing, it's going to be a retail or this, that, or the other thing. The bylaw encompasses all of those uses for manufacturing. And I just wanted to mention, like in terms of uses, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a retail store. In fact, I probably would think with the location, it probably wouldn't be a retail store. Um, it most likely would be a small manufacturing firm that would do a niche product that some of these other stores sell. That's, that's my likely guess, just to give you kind of maybe a just a picture of what may come someday. If there was something, I think grow facilities also seem to be tapped out from what I understand. I think Council Hamlin brought up that point. So from an odor perspective, which the odor regulations are much more stringent than they've ever been, um, I think it's likely to be some sort of boutique manufacturing place that's looking for a cheap piece of property um, to put in in, a, in an area right near some sort of uh, distribution highway. That's just my guess. Yeah, I, I understand that. So if that's the case where you're just worried about, you know, daycares, churches and everything, why isn't everything south and west and not near a church on the district? Like, who gets to choose? Why isn't Dell, why is Dell X'd out? Why, why doesn't Dell um, come in under this? Who gets to choose which properties? Yeah. Um, I, I'd be happy to answer. Go ahead, Brian. Um, there's a big X in the middle of Map C, and that is the largest of the uh, Dell facilities. And the reason is just to the north, there's a daycare that's adjacent to it. The property. Um, and yeah. I, I don't know if I, I think I have a feeling it was there before when we did the map originally, but when I saw this map, but I know that it, based on the regulation what we, we have here, yes, is the reason that, that's the reason that came out. The other one, the other property there, it's adjacent to a residential district. So those, that's the reason that didn't do it. So, uh, you know, uh, it, depending on who you are and, and, and what your business is, some people would love to have them in the district. But we wrote the regulations to limit their locations. 
Okay. All right. I, I just want to voice that um, I, I don't like it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I'm wondering um, if ha, do we know if, if by being in this district does it increase or decrease people's property values? Well, I'll speak to this one issue if you don't mind. I don't know if there's a metric out there to say whether a parcel could improve or disapprove. You'd have okay. to get an appraiser to do that analysis. Right. Okay. That being okay. said, the folks on Grove Street <clears throat> were stunned when their inflated prices of their properties then sold for cash when folks and other businesses bought those properties. So I do think a better property with like the Dario and Forge Park or like any of the parts of the grocery, those properties are now more valuable than they were before. So I think the stigma of the issue of the use does not equate to worse property values. That's just based on our qualitative experience here in Franklin. Thank okay, you. thank you, Jim. Uh, Councilor Jones. Thank you, Madam Chair. It, all this really does, in my opinion, having been through many of these overlay discussions, whether it's medical marijuana or, or if it's biomedical or, or, or a variety of different overlay districts that we have, as this so much to provide areas typically within our industrial zones and some of our commercial zones to allow the process a relatively simple means if someone wants to establish this type of a business right. within that zone. It hasn't always come to fruition with that. In some cases it has, in most cases it hasn't. You know, like for instance, I believe, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, um, the old sewer beds, what they were 99, 99 units, was actually an overlay district. We had, an, we had a biomedical overlay district there, and it just didn't, Do you want to it didn't attract anybody. You know, and, and the hopes of putting in these overlays is, is to allow the permit, the permitting process, and, and the whole procedures basically easier if somebody wants to go for that type of business. Um, Damn it, man! Even though we're including the hotel in this list of items that uh, would be in that overlay district, the, the the market would ultimately determine what what would ultimately go there. If say, for instance, right, the hotel right now. Right, or, I know. Where something of its uses changes. Um, but the, our goal has always been to try to provide as much area with, with an overlay district relative to whatever the overlay would be, just for the simple just for the simple reason of providing a streamlined process if somebody does in fact want to build that type of business in that zone. And not much, I should say that. Not everything has come to fruition over the years with the different types of overlays that in. You know, we have we have the property on on uh, Grove Street that they want to put a friendly 40B. That's industrial. You know, would we like to see that industrial property turned into something industrious? Sure, but it's haven't it hasn't proven to be a viable property for something that's of an industrial likelihood. So you know, that's why this 41B came. This this 40B came along. So just because we zone these doesn't necessarily mean that's the future. Of those. I know, that's the beauty of zoning. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, what I'm getting at is I really don't have an issue with those three getting added into the zone. 
and I respect the gentleman's comments. But I understand the Dell one. That is a tough nugget, though, because yeah, that small property that immediately adjacent is immediately adjacent to that. That's that's a pretty significant size piece of property. It is. So the Dell goes under, which is our second largest tax return in the town. It'd be nice to fill it in.
in an equitable manner like everybody else and not have this like impact fee um, attached to it. So those are gone. So they are saving those revenues. Both operators are, are really thrilled. We did the same thing Boston did. Boston got rid of all of them right on November 1st, just like we did because of all the changes in the law um, that happened. So from a business development, I think both of them are thrilled and, and that's helpful for them to be able to stay in business, which allows them to continue to sell products and then the customer pays the 3% sales tax. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Right, but I do remember, I think to Council Frangillo's point, is that we chose the 3%. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? As a town, we got yep. to choose how much we, up to 3%. Yep. Local right? option. Yep. And so yep. I think that's, but it's the it's the customer that pays that tax. The customer pays the 3% right. excess. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's an impact on business liability. It's like a tax on cigarettes. It's less. Yeah. Yeah. It's less, it's less than what the, Business has to pay. Yeah. I see another question in the audience. Is it okay? Sure. Name and address, please. Rick Sacconi, Chester Street. Uh, a couple of things crossed my mind. I, um, now, we've already lost one of these marijuana sales. There was a sales place or a grow place. Which did we lose? Is that? I, I think Jamie, Farmer, Farmer Canis was going to be yeah. at 164 Grove Street. They were going to be a retail operation home okay. at that site. Medical, actually, I believe it was medical only. To speak to the gentleman who left, I wish I talked to him outside. I wish I could have got here sooner, but it didn't work out. What happens? I like to play the devil's advocate occasionally. What happens if these places don't make it? What, because um, if we remember correctly, this was a really big deal coming to Franklin because we, we like the money. Let's face it, Tom likes the money. But I go buy them all, well, not a lot, but I go buy them. This four or five cars, we were going to have police officers there, we were going to have this rush to buy, to go to the marijuana store. Well, I don't know about you folks, but I know a lot of people, seniors like myself, who still enjoy marijuana. They're not buying at those stores. Now the medical people and the folks who need it, and it's a wonderful thing, this, well, the medical industry's gone a long ways with this stuff, but the folks who buy it just to enjoy it recreationally, they are not going to pay those folks prices. So I see it, just one man's opinion, those places are going to disappear rather than grow. Maybe the grow industry may continue, but to think that, that we're going to have another one up on Upper Union, when I would hope that that won't happen, I would hope that if, if we're going to allow another one of these town, in our town, that we direct him to where this other guy just bailed out of. 124 Grove Street, what was the address, Jamie? 164. Exactly. So I hope, and I don't think it's going to happen, because I think this business is going the other way. And I hope whatever money they promised us, we got it locked up real good. Now <laughs> they're going to have to pay us even when they don't make it, because I don't think they will. Um, and there's a lot more, but I'll be back. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you. Jamie? Through you, Andrew. So, so one of the things about the traffic, just on the parking lots, the pandemic hit, is during the pandemic, if you went back to the planning board traffic studies for Netta and Farmacan on Grove Street, that's how we got, that's one of the ways we got the MassWorks grant to redo it in the traffic light, because the traffic studies showed a lot of traffic. However, during the pandemic, something changed at the state regulatory office, which is that they can now do delivery. So when you order on your app and you get delivery, right, the town still gets the 3% recreational sales tax, 
but the cars don't come. Win-win. Right. Right? And so Bellingham has banned almost all cannabis, but they allow delivery stores to stay open. So all of our operators have contracted with delivery services in Bellingham. So in essence, it's been a business growth, a small one for them. But that's why I think Mr. Ciccone hasn't seen a lot of cars, because people are ordering it on their app, they're not driving down there, they're getting it delivered to their, to their personal house. That's one factor for sure why you see a parking lot that may not have a lot of cars. Um, also, one of the reasons why you see that is our egregious parking regulations. And <laughs> so they had to aid a lot of that area on that place down in Netta. I was going to say, it's time to rip it up. And just for the record, for Mr. Ciccone, and I know he probably knows this, but for the, for the watchers at home, medical users do not pay any of those taxes. Okay. Okay. So they do not pay the, yeah, they, medical, if you give a medical card. So Netta is medical. Botera is not. Yeah. So nobody that goes into Botera, everybody's paying the 3% tax in there, plus the other taxes to the state. But at Netta, it's split. Okay. So even a lot of sales out of Netta are medical, so there, there won't be any tax receipts from that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. Um, Madam Chair, I'd like to make a motion to move so many file amendments 23.899 to full council. Is there a second? Yeah. Second, yeah. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Okay. Is I don't have my. I don't have my, I don't have a thing. Um, I would accept the motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you, Brian and Amy. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Rick. I'll be back. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> Thanks. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.